0: You're listening to CLNS Media, powered by betonline.ag. Go to clnsmedia.com slash roll. Use our promo code CLNS50 for 50% off your
1: first deposit. Celtics
2: coverage on CLNSradio.com. Made him, makes
1: it, makes it. Oh, oh hey! That's word. It up, Flex on him, Galen Brown! Battling
2: right now and share your thoughts toll free. 347 215 7, 7771. With that, welcome to the Celtics postgame show. I am Bobby Manning, and we are going to talk for the next hour about the Celtics. 111, 110 lost to the Houston Rockets in overtime. About to get the Periscope going. If you want to watch me live, you'll hear Joel and Jack Moan, my co-hosts over there too. Not look so great. It's been a hectic day, but the voice is what matters, and we are the voice after every Celtics post-game show. So we'll bring it to you over on Twitter. We'll bring it to you here, of course, uh, blogtalkradiocom slash celtics postgame show and of course you can listen next day on these late nights. When we go to overtime and we're starting at eleven thirty Eastern, you can listen the next day on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, any one of those platforms will have for you. Wake up. We have the longest running post game show out there and Nights like Night or Why? What an incredible game. From the start of the first half, the Celtics are about as locked in defensively as they've been all year long. Second half, the Rockets reach their full potential offensively. You see why they are among the contenders for the NBA title. I'm going to get into that in my first segment. But then we get into the later stretches of the fourth quarter. And you have Harden along the sideline whining like crazy to the refs. speak to joining him. There's this big conversation with about 90 seconds left. And I'm out here caping for this team. I'm saying they could be a finals team, without a doubt. They tend to since the trade deadline, since they made those moves to go on, though not necessarily small because they have big bodies like P.J. Tucker who can rebound, as we saw late, who can hate him in particular. They really defensive team, and they only within percent when it comes to defensive rebounding percentage for the league lead. So, the Celtics face the highest level of competition on this game. Let's make that clear. This wasn't a chump team that they lost to. They made strides in the first half, and late in the fourth quarter, they broke back into this game with a big Marcus Smart three. They're able to get, I think Westbrook missed a free throw on the way back down, and then they get it down three. The Rockets foul, as you should there. You know, we saw what happened with Duke UNC, which, of course, will happen here. But 99 times out of 100, you're going to come through in that situation as long as you make free throws back the other way and kill off the clock. So they had no timeouts. So Tatum goes to the line. He makes the first free throw. He, or no, he missed the first free throw. Excuse me. So it's like, oh, what's going to happen? Now they need three points. They need a miss on perps and regain possession. It was all impossible. And I look at Harden. And Harden waving his hand. I don't know if he was trying to get someone else to do something. or Drills the front of the rim. Marcus Smart swooped right in and grabs the ball from Harden, who got his hands on it, who was in position, but just got beat out on that rebound. I think he lost attention for a split second. And then all of a sudden the ball firing back in his face. Smart whoops it out to Jalen Brown, and he drills a clean look for three. Absolute meltdown by the Rockets in the fourth there to close the game. And I'm just thinking as we go into overtime, what is wrong with these guys? They have as much talent as anybody in the game. They have maybe the best player in the game in James Harden. Russell Westbrook's playing like Westbrook of old. They're rolling, and they can't keep their head in the game enough to make the freaking stop, close it get the rebound, bat away, whatever you need on that free throw, game's over. And they almost pick up a loss here. That would have been a devastating loss. Now, of course, we're getting overtime right away, which started so strong for the Celtics and then completely fell apart in the last two and a half minutes. So the Celtics have questions themselves out of this one. A brilliant game, one of the best ones we saw all year long. And we're here to talk to you about it for the next Hour, however long you want to stick around. I know we're starting late here, so if you want to get on the call lines, you have to do it by midnight. Those are, of course, the four seven two one five seven 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 one. I'm just about to get the periscope going, so hold on one moment here. But I'll have my co-host Joel Pavone and Jack Simone after him bring us through that overtime. Where'd it go wrong, Joel? Where did things fall apart, you think, there? Because the Celtics had a possession lead for most of that overtime, and then it flipped with about two minutes left, I felt like. Uh, Having some trouble with Joel. So, Jack, if you want to pick that up, you're more than welcome. Yeah.
0: Yeah, sure. Can you hear me? Am I here? Am I? Yep. Sounds good. Well, I think the struggles were – we started off overtime decent, And then there was a little stretch where the score was 109 Rockets, 110 Celtics, where nobody could get a bucket. We would go down each end, drive into the paint, both teams I'm talking about here, drive into the paint, get stopped, drive into the paint, get stopped, get a foul call, get some complaint from D'Antoni, like you're saying, or Harden, where it halts the game for 10 minutes, and all momentum just shuts down for both teams. And I think that worked perfectly in the Rockets' favor, because... Obviously, going into overtime, we had all the momentum. I personally jumped up out of my chair when Brown hit that three. I almost broke my desk. Mm. And what a great moment all year long. Right? That's what I'm saying. And so, as soon as, like, the team started going back and forth, all momentum was gone. And I think the Celtics reverted back to the kind of third quarter Celtics we saw where we couldn't hit our shots. We were getting unlucky bounces, unlucky calls, complaints from D'Antoni and the Rockets. And it just ended up not going our way. No, No blame, though, I'd like to say. Because I'm seeing all this stuff a lot, uh, around Twitter where blaming Wanamaker, blaming the bench, blaming Hayward. Yeah, the bench wasn't great, but it, everybody on the Celtics didn't come in clutch at the end there. I don't I don't blame any single Celtic for this loss.
2: Yeah, I don't think anyone stands individually in this one. You know, Heist had that link three to start overtime, and he made up for that more than enough by getting the key rebound where the Celtics could have taken this game on that Mr. Tatum made inside. And, you know, Hayward ultimately 8-for-16 in this one, 18 points. That's a pretty good contributing effort, even though he did Mm -hmm. go 2-for-6-for-3, have some clean, clean looks out there. I'm putting a little bit of it on him because, frankly, if the offense is going to run through Tatum and Kemba... Returns. Those are going to be the two guys on the ball. You'll, of course, get some Hayward there, but it looks like Tatum's really jumping into that two spot recently, um, playing the same role, doing different ball handling responsibilities. Hayward's at best on the ball. Like We've seen it all year. They don't get the best of him when he's just taking those kick-out three-point shots. Those aren't where he's at his best, and that's where he's been about a week or so now. He's still finding ways to get on the phone score. It's not like mm-hmm. he's just having completely empty performances. And I'm one of his big defenders. That's on Brad. I mean, he has to find a way in that situation to make sure that it's not ending up with a not particularly strong catch-and-shoot shooter shots and i have to look at the numbers of course i'm just going off a couple misses that he had in this one but those are big shots to miss in a one point game and one of them was down the stretch of that in overtime
0: yeah for sure all of the celtic starters shot 33 percent from three two for six for hayward four for 12 for tatum two for six for brown and uh five for 15 for smart which
2: i and mean that seems walks, like a, a lot of them. excessive
0: yeah they were a lot of open but my thing is i think while we didn't shoot that well from three, obviously, this game, I think we're missing Kemba big here because half of those threes from everybody combined are going to go to Kemba when he comes back. He leads the team in attempts for when he's healthy, and it feels like an eternity since we've seen Kemba on the floor, and it's games like these where we really miss him.
2: Definitely. I felt like they missed someone on in that Lakers game, and it was a similar ending. They had control of much of that game. The defense was ramping up. And then the Lakers really turned up the intensity down the stretch of the game. Now, I'm not going to get into whether the Celtics are capable of beating these teams or whether they're good or bad It's the best of the league. We just know for a fact that beating these teams at the top echelon is hard. And the Celtics have got done some matchups, like the Clippers game, the first Lakers game. They beat the Bucks earlier this year, and they beat the Raptors, of course, too. But then they've had some lapses in the end of these games. We look at the first Clippers matchup. That was a tough loss. They were in control of a lot of that game, by quite a few possessions down the stretch of that one. Uh, we look at the second Bucks game, where they just got overrides in the first half. That's the only team to do that, but again, you add it to the list that they're compiling here against the best of the league. And then we have... Two tough losses down the stretch to the Rockets, who I believe in, as I said in the opening segment, as the potential NBA Finals team. It's just that mental aspect to them. I think they're missing that. And to be honest, when I look at the Celtics, I think they have that handled. They don't, they don't uh, deflect to these runs and just fade away. They very easily could have thrown away at the end of that fourth quarter. They found a way to get it done. I think there are quite a few positives out of this one, even in a loss, how they were able to handle... The end of the fourth quarter, into overtime where they were excellent on the boards, and there's just a few moments in this one. I think those Hayward misses, I think those rebounds that they lost to P.J. Tucker at the end of the fourth quarter were backbreaking and really shifted this game in Houston's direction. They were getting after it on boards for all you hear about them being a small team. They're big and physical. They have some height positions on the wing at the guard position too. Harden and Westbrook are two huge bodies. And they get after it on the boards. Tucker really won Houston this game down the stretch until they couldn't get that final rebound in the fourth quarter. I think even though the game wasn't decided in the fourth, those were huge plays to put the Celtics down and needing that ridiculous play to even get to overtime.
0: I agree completely. You keep bringing up these boards, and I feel like in the fourth quarter there, the Celtics just looked lazy. Or maybe it was just Tucker because he had so much energy. Like, Tucker had 13 boards in this game. Oh, Covington he's awesome. had sixteen. Yeah, they're so good. Tucker is such an underrated player. But the topic of rebounds, is Cantor hurt? Like, I feel like he would have been perfect in this matchup, just getting rebounds over Tucker. It, it
2: like They why tried didn't he him, him more in the first him? Houston matchup, yeah. and it didn't yeah. go well. And I don't think it's just this matchup even because looking at now two, three weeks of cancer, being all but a no-show, you wonder if there's still lingering effects from the hip injury. It was a pretty traumatic hip injury. I don't know if you read Forsberg talking about how he woke up and couldn't even move one morning. So it wasn't a, no, any small injury. I'm sure he's still working through some stuff because he was awesome in the first half of this team and now looking like a non-factor. But I do like Steven's rotations in this one. I don't think Cantor would have helped them all that much on the board. I thought Tice was phenomenal on that end. 15 rebounds, 10 on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. He was able to get putbacks on the offensive side, five offensive rebounds. He was phenomenal in this game, even though he had some misses on the interior. Uh, that putback that he almost had an overtime that he was able to pull down and get a timeout on. He was pretty point blank right there, and he tried shooting. You know how sometimes you're shooting in midair and you really can't get any balance on that shot? Yeah. That's what he did there. But um, as far as center goes in this game, I think the Celtics were smart to not go 100% small because then I think you're at a size advantage to the Houston Rockets as much as we talk about them being small. Uh, (laughs) The Celtics don't quite have the P.J. Tucker to play the middle in that situation. Maybe Grant Williams gets to that one day, but he's not ready for that. So I think 15 minutes was appropriate for him. Um, Keeping Cantor out was a smart decision. And Robert Williams, there was a lot of talk about his return. I wrote this morning, like, this was the spot for him. I mean, this going to be bad. Second um, roll base matchup where rotations and positioning and all that was going to be key, and he struggles with that when he's healthy and in the flow of things. So Tuesday's going to be a better fit to get him rolling. I think the uh, the rotations were good. There's plenty some second guesses. I'm going to get to one in just a minute after I let you respond to that. But um, Stevenson caught the best game in the world. Rotations were good, but there were a few decisions throughout this that I was not a big fan of. Yeah, for
0: sure, and. Like you said, Grant Williams played great. He could develop into a PJ Tucker role, but he's just a rookie. Like we can't put too much, too much of the weight on him. Ojala played some solid minutes, drawing those charges, five rebounds, didn't take shots, which I mean, I guess is good for Ojala because he's not the most efficient shooter always. Wanamaker wasn't awful. Yep. He shot over two, but like just a lackluster bench. And Houston's all with the mindset. Like they always talk to the refs, they always talk to the players, they're always talking, talking, talking. And there was one moment I tweeted about it really is. There was one moment I noticed where Russell was like, and one, and the ref didn't even think about calling it until he heard Russell say, and one, and then he just called the foul. And so it's like, it's a mental thing. They're just such a infuriating, like you said, team to play against, because they play the style of, like, not necessarily shooting the smart shots, but getting the smart fouls. It's 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 annoying.
2: For sure. And maybe I'm a little hard on Hayward. You know, sometimes you can make me wrong. He's 42% this year on catch-shoot threes, which is nothing shabby so there's been a few moments where I feel like he's missed some big ones out there I'm probably wrong about criticizing him excessively there and in this game I think it had a impact on the outcome they do have you you talked about Kemba filling that role too he's 43% on those this year Jalen Brown I know for a fact he is great at those and he had a few big ones in this game he is 42% in his own right on catch and shoot threes had a big one in the corner in the fourth quarter, and then we talked about the tip-out to him that he was able to pull up and drill to end this game. One of the great moments, you talked about yourself jumping out of your seat. This chair that I'm on right now, it's more of a dinner chair up at the um, you know patio or bar, whatever we have here in the kitchen, I don't know the word for it. Um, it's not a place that I watch sports often, but tonight I was rushing to make dinner, I was trying to pull everything <laughs> together. I wasn't even going to be on the show tonight until the overtime got me the extra time, the settle down yeah. and get everything good here and this was actually the same exact seat that i was sitting in when malcolm butler grabbed that big oh wow <laughs> it's a it was a chair. similar that chair <laughs> oh this man a, this might be a more valuable chair going forward when this big game's it's a Boston chair through and through. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. There were similar feelings, though, to that moment. I mean, it, this never works, Jack. To throw off the free throw, to hit the rim the way that he did, and then you, you're not even pulling a point out of that situation, so you need a three-pointer, which is the hardest to generate of all in the that spot. That, that fails more than 99 times out of 100. That's like 99.9 that that's going yeah. to fail. And it
0: ironically, works. yeah. Ironically, last time I remember it was, what, Stephen Adams to Russell Westbrook when he hit that iconic <laughs> shot in his 40-second triple-double game.
2: Uh, yes. And did they – they lost that series. They won that game, but they lost that series, as I remember, right? I believe so. I think it was the Nuggets, right? I think that was a Nuggets
0: game. I don't know. I don't know. I just remember the iconic – yeah, I just remember the iconic Stephen Adams hucking it off the rim, kicking it back out to Hayward without landing on his feet, and Hayward drilled it.
2: So next time yeah. I'm around the Celtics, I'm gonna ask. Like that is that is a really hard thing to execute. I wonder how much teams mm-hmm. practice that. I wonder how much uh, that goes into preparation for a season. Cause, you know you never expect that to come up, but it does at least mm-hmm. once a year, I'd say. Um, so ginormous play, when the execution was. Necessary down the stair, there But there's a lot to take away of why the Celtics Were in that spot after their dominant First half and their rotations Were tight they were getting to guys At the rim they weren't fouling In that first half frankly I thought One of their best defensive halves of The entire season and the stats Back it up when you think about an offensive juggernaut Like the Rockets That was the fewest points they've scored In the first half all season I believe it's 45 so massive credit To the Celtics when they turn it up when they're ganging passing lanes, as Hayward did early, he ends up with three steals. Tatum, in his own right, great at that. Marcus Smart, four steals in that. Not the end-all, be-all of defense, but they're also rotating inside. Tatum getting two help blocks, Tice stuffing three at the rim. They were excellent, stopping 17 possessions between steals and blocks, uh, holding the Rockets to pretty poor efficiency in this one, 42% from the field, 27% from three. This was one of the better defensive performances we've seen from Boston all year besides the rebounding down the stretch that we talked about and then that third quarter where Houston was just going off.
0: I agree, and like we keep saying, it's just the Rockets' mindset, man. Russell Westbrook, I think, is finally in the perfect position where he doesn't have to shoot. He doesn't have to completely take over, and there's no center-clogging up the middle for him. He can literally just drive and drive and drive. And he took two threes this game. He's shooting, like, sub-25% from three this season, I think. And so to put him in a position where he doesn't have to take those shots and he can just take his little mid-range bank shots and driving to the buckets and getting fouled and all that jazz it's it's the perfect situation and the Celtics as we've seen in both games we faced the Rockets this season played into it too much I think like whether it's being lazy in the fourth like we saw here or taking too many isos like we could have seen in the first game it's just they're such a tough underrated matchup Like you say you're they're one of your finals picks and I might have to agree with you there because it, they're just so hard to game plan for because if you have a center like Joel Embiid for the Sixers, who's he going to guard here? Tucker's quicker than him. He might have trouble guarding Embiid in the post maybe, but they're just such a hard team to guard because of their spacing and five-out offense. It's just it's unlike anything
2: I've seen in the NBA in a while. It, it was born out of necessity. They kind of yeah. had to do it because Clint Capella was not going to be healthy for the foreseeable future. He was weighed on that. how much they were going to invest in him in the long term given where his play had gone early in the year and then into the injury. So they made a smart move. There was value in him. The Hawks were a team that needed some size. So they go out and grab him during a lost season. They get Covington very crafty, how they formulate a four-team deal, one of the biggest in NBA history, to get a perfect player for them in this. Uh, he was great in this one, 6 for 12, 16 rebounds. He's a spot-up shooter who can hit 40% from three, as he did in this one. He fits everything they do so well, rotational defense one of the best defenders in the NBA, frankly. There's a lot of conversation about him. He's become one of those underrated guys like Mike Connery back in the day. I'd compare him to who was so underrated that the people who wanted to brag about him and hype him up brought him up to a new level that was probably a little high. So we're constantly trying to calibrate Covington's impact, but you can't deny it. In his games with Houston and this one here, massive impact on the game, changed the complexion of that team. And we're still trying to figure out Talk about them because they're certainly not small. They don't play center, which is usual. But a lot of teams are small at that high spot anyway, like the Celtics were in this one. And this is the last point I want to get to before we bring Joel for his angle. And he's finally on the line here. You know what stuck out about this one to me, Jack, is this was one of the great rebounding battles of all time. And when we think about where the league's going, where this is going to become a new norm, it's a copycat league, the Celtics' smaller lineup, five men, when they go to Grant, when they go to even the smaller lineup with Smart, kind of playing that center spot that they don't go to too often. And what we see Houston doing now, where P.J. Tucker is essentially playing that five, but it's five games spread out, true position. This was one of the more interesting Rebounding battles that I'd ever seen And it hasn't flowed throughout this game To the point where it ended at a fitting 54-53 final for uh, Boston, and it felt that way There were stretches yeah. in the game where the Rockets were Dominant on the boards like the fourth quarter There were stretches where the Rockets took it over uh, Where the Six took it over like the early portion of that over And I don't know if it decided the game But it was one of the more interesting points At which the game swung between these two teams
0: yeah, like you said, like all the big swings, the big moments from the game were rebounds. Like whether it's Tucker falling out of bounds, getting a clutch rebound to give the Rockets an extra possession, or Smart grabbing the rebound from Harden's hand to kick it out to Brown for a three to tie the game. Like Everything came off of rebounds, and I think it's because there's no centers. You don't have guys who are definitively going to get every board for you, so every rebound is a fight, and these teams, especially the Rockets, I'll give them a compliment here, they know the value of the rebounds that they can get because they don't have a big man. So they fight at hard for every single one.
2: Joel Pavone is with us here. It's it's a typical night for Joel. You give him credit for having one of the best mics, one of the best connections in the game out here. But there's always a tough onboarding process. And he is finally with us here on the Celtics post-game show. Um, one of the co-hosts of the Causeway Street podcast. Uh, Joel, we still got about a half hour for you here, so it's good to have you aboard for one of the best Celtics games of the season. Lots of positives, lots of negatives from this one, but brewing rivalry, we've seen some classics between these two games, teams over the years, even though they only play two a year. Uh, this was almost the 2018 finals. People forget that could have been a very intriguing matchup if Boston took care of business, if Rockets sealed up that 3-2 lead that they had. They were on the verge. All they needed to do was win game six each, and that would have been a good finals. And it's a potential final for this year. But the Celtics have to figure out how to close some of these games against the best because they're going to have to go through the Bucks to do it, as we've talked about a million times on this program.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's uh, another tough one, uh, another tough pill to swallow for the Celtics because this was, this was eerily similar to the Lakers game uh, not too long ago where, you know, down the, down the stretch – some things could have gone, you know, either way. Um, I give credit to the Rockets for winning, you know, a lot of the 50-50 balls. um, But I felt like the Rockets also had too many second and third opportunities, and the Celtics just didn't capitalize on the fact that Harden was struggling from the field. Uh, Way too many turnovers for the Celtics. Um, Well, I think they had about 13, 14 turnovers, and and I felt like in that third quarter, when when the Rockets made their run, I think they were on a, 13-0 run when they uh finally took their first lead of the game. Um the Celtics were going in a lot of like hero ball. I felt, you know, a, lo- a lot of forced three-pointers, you know, early on in the shot clock. Um, you know, they weren't they weren't playing their their, their like classic, you know, Celtics ball of, you know, sharing that rock, you know, a couple of plat- passes, you know, the pick and roll. And um they they started I feel like playing like a three-point contest with the with the Rockets which, you know, more than likely you're not going to win, especially if you're shooting 39% overall from the game. And it was still a winnable game at the end of the, at the end of the, obviously the fourth quarter going into the, uh, into the overtime, but I don't know. I think, um, I think Stevens might need to, uh, with his coaching staff, work on some end of the game situations where I feel like, you know, the Celtics still are um, not as, they don't have the wisdom for the, the roster that they have to, to pull off sometimes like these close, these close games. Like if you look at the numbers, you know, they're, uh, offensively, especially in the second half, uh, they weren't supposed to win this game. They weren't supposed to even be back in this game, the way the Rockets, you know, came back strong in the the third and fourth quarter. But again, it was still winnable. And, And at the end of the day, a win's a win, right? Even though they, they lost by one, uh, I feel like they didn't they, they capitalize on some of these things. I don't know how you guys felt, if you guys felt the same way. Yeah, in
2: terms yeah, of uh, it, it felt pretty secure with 249 left. Tyson just hit that dunk, cutting back line off Tatum. That's a great play. That's how they should be playing down the stretch of this game. So they go up one ten one oh nine. 109 LinkedIn misses a three. They get the rebound hand. There's just over two minutes left. I, by the end of this possession that they went on here, There's going to be a minute left. Two more stops to win there. I know it's Houston, but they had a pretty good shot if they were able to go up two possessions here. Again, like you said, Adam Jacks at three at the end of the clock, almost from half court on a switch there. Took way too long to size that up. He gets driven backwards by Harden on the switch and takes an impossible shot. I, I did not think for a second that that was going down, and of course didn't hit the back of the rim there. So they get another stop on Houston. Now, if they even just scored a layup on that possession or got anything out of there, free throw would have been up two or three, maybe even four, if they really get a better three-point look with Houston missing a shot. We could have brought it down to 15 or so in that spot. But then they start jamming it down the middle. Smart tries a very hard layup. Tatum tries a very hard layup the next possession after Tice gets a block on Harden. So, the Celtics got the two stops that they needed to close this game. The defense was fine. But like you said, Joel, they just started going crazy on offense. Tice tries to put back down in midair, which was just wild. And then Tatum gets stuck along the baseline, has to kick out a pretty good pass to Hayward. And like I talked about, he's not able to get down that knockdown three. So, you know, four huge misses down the stretch. Five, actually, when you count the first Tatum three after Tice hits that shot, and that's how this closes. The Celtics close this game 0-6. All the rickets really need are a couple of free throws at the end, and uh, they are able to close this one out. They didn't do all that much offensively to get a lead in this one. They just had a couple of free throws at the end as Celtics are falling apart offensively. So yeah, you look I at mean, Bradford.
1: That end. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this is another example of how important Kemba Walker is to this team, because um, I feel like earlier in, in the first half of the season, before the All-Star break, how many how many Kemba how many games that Kemba Walker would just would just take over in the fourth quarter. He might he might have been having a bad shooting night the first two or three quarters, but then the fourth quarter when the Celtics needed buckets, like a good stretch, Kemba Walker was that guy and i and and I'm not saying that you know uh, someone like Tatum, who is really coming into his own isn't someone that can do that, but he started his game off not 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 shooting well at all and and I kind of got the sense that okay, this is going to be the type of game where like everyone's going to have to step up and and you saw Smart do his thing um you saw Hayward he had a quiet you know he had a quiet eighteen points, but he was pretty pretty efficient you know from 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 the field. Um, and 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 even Jalen Brown started off pretty um, shooting pretty well, but Kemba Walker is very very important, and I feel like he's someone that can that despite Tatum doing his thing, Kemba still I think is still the best player on the team that can get his own shot. Tatum is becoming that guy as well. But Kemba's been in the league you know eight nine years now, and and this it's just, it's just automatic for him. So that's another that's another thing to look at. I mean, the fact that they've won, and lost by one to the Rockets, lost by two to the Lakers without Kemba. I mean, I think that speaks volumes.
0: I think it was I think it was tough at the end there too because the Rockets are as much as they're a small ball team, take a lot of threes. Their entire starting lineup are all solid, solid defenders. Covington, great defender. House, solid defender. Tucker, amazing. Harden's better than he was a couple of years ago When Westbrook has all this intensity And like you said, Joel, with Kemba Kemba's so used to get his, getting his own shot Meanwhile, Tatum's been doing it for Consistently for about like A few weeks now, he's been on fire and every time in the past few matchups, we've won, like, the Blazers, Jazz, and even the Lakers a little, we would switch him on to a easier defender for him to get around, like, switch him on to Kuzma instead of KCP and stuff like that. But tonight, mm-hmm. there was no one to switch him off of because they're all great defenders. And I think a guy like Kemba, like you said, who's used to get his, getting his own shot would have gotten a different result there.
2: If you want to join us, there's four minutes left to get on the line. Three, four, seven, two, one, five, seven, 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 one. We're gonna keep rolling past midnight here. We got started late with that overtime period. We'll probably roll 12, 15, 12, 30, depending on how many of you call in. But you gotta get in by midnight. Four and a half minutes left to do that. I give you a chance to load up the call logs. We'll talk about our good friends BetOnline.ag. I had an one today, guys. I didn't feel good about Syracuse. I didn't feel good about the Celtics without Kemba going into a matchup like this. So I, my gut told me redo a North Carolina Celt- or Rockets parlay because you know the best thing you can do in your betting is kind of have both sides. Where if your teams lose, you make a little bit of money. If they win, you're losing a little bit of money. But on the other side, your teams win. But I didn't end up doing that because. You know, I don't like to waste my money. But if you got a little bit of money to spare, BetOnline.ag is a great place to take risks like that that can pay off in a big way because they've been doing it the longest. They are over 20 years now into providing customers with first market odds. So if you want to check the Celtics, if you want to check college basketball, guys, March Madness starts in just three. Years. The tournament underway in three days. So you'll have odds on those conference champions, those games, and then we get in the March Madness. Huge time to bet. So that's coming up quicker than you think. So get an account going on BetOnline.ag because when you put in hundred bucks, they're gonna give you fifty percent back to use on your bet. So you'll end up with hundred fifty bucks. That's fifty percent of your money that you put in. They're gonna match for free. CLNS 50 is the code to do that. So head to betonline.ag. Make your your first positive 50% back. The code CLNS 50. Online. Your online sportsbook experts. Joel. What's up, I got to bring up this one. (laughs) We've seen Brad Stevens use the zone here or there. I think the Celtics have done a good job attacking zones. Over this season, last season, I think they're pretty well equipped to break those because there's more zone than ever being played in the NBA to get out closer to shooters, to protect that middle area. Because people forget the middle is just as important as the modern offense of three pointers. You have to get to the middle to generate those three pointers. So the zone's becoming a response to tackle those two things. The Raptors do really well. This game was an interesting choice to put it out there. There was one play in this one with the Celtics in zone, and I think it was either Harden or Westbrook just threw it right to his right, and there was a massive gap on the right side of the Celtics' zone, and they drilled one of the easiest threes that you'll ever see. And that's a big impact in a one-point game in the end. I don't know what other kind of lapses or successes there were. i got to go back and watch the film. But how do you feel, Joel, the decision to go zone was? Cause I did not love it. I don't think it a matchup. And it had a pretty devastating result,
1: at least on that play. I felt like it was a like a desperate move, and I don't like desperate moves from Brad Stevens. And we've seen that uh, those type of like desperate moves that Stevens has done, especially this season, with you know trying like different lineups and throwing in guys randomly at different you know points in, of, of a game, especially in like close games or when you when they've lost a like a big lead, especially. Like then this one, for example, and they were up by almost 20 points. And I understand no lead is safe in the NBA, but you can't make desperate moves, especially if you're not something. It's not something that you run on a consistent basis, and, that's, and that, 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 you know, that makes your players kind of second guess, like your coach. And, and the Celtics can't afford to do that, especially this late the season. Like they have to buy into, and so far they have. But like for the most part, they gotta keep, you know, trusting in their in their coach when it comes to uh, running certain certain schemes whether it's offensively or defensively, but I don't know, I wasn't a fan of it. <laughs> if you if you didn't uh, already figure that out where you know, after everything I just said, but uh I just this is just one of those things that uh that is, the Celtics they're they're a top five defense in this league for a reason and uh, but the the zone now like team And it has
2: a kind of the zone.
1: Yeah 'cause the and but team but team defense though overall for the for for the Celtics this season has you know obviously has ha- have had great results, and and that's why Tice doesn't get enough credit I believe because because he's not seven feet tall. The uh, same thing with 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 cancer. when when he's played especially in the first half of the season like they like he's bought in he's never been a defensive you know minded you know center. Uh, he's a good rate he's a great rebounder especially offensively but but uh, you know when it comes to having guys who are you know six, seven, six, eight, and six, nine, and you're in your front line. Um, it, it, it's kind of an advantage when it, when it comes to playing against uh bigger teams, but when, it, when you come in playing against like the Rockets, for example, um, you guys brought it up earlier about how like, you know, each one of those guys on the Rockets, no matter if they're, you know, six, six or shorter, they're, they're pretty, they're pretty tough guys. And that's, a, I think that's might, might be the difference when it comes to uh running certain defensive schemes against certain matchups.
2: And it's interesting. I got to dive into that zone because maybe it has been successful in Spokane
1: Tonight's episode of the Celtics Post Game Show on CLNS Media is brought to you by HelloFresh.
2: HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. Get easy seasonal recipes and pre-measured ingredients delivered right to your door. All you have to do is cook and enjoy. For $80 off your first month of HelloFresh, go to hellofresh.com forward slash CLNS80. And don't forget to enter the promo code
1: CLNS80 at checkout. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit and a sponsor of the CLNS Media Self-Exposed Game Show.
2: has been the Celtics post game show on CLNSradio.com. Thanks for listening. The Celtics might not be in action every day, but we are, so stay connected. Follow us on Twitter at CLNSradio and check out our broadcast schedule for the best weekly sports podcast on the web.